Amen. Good morning. Mm, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love and your goodness. Thankful that we can come together and uh, praise your name and just share in your communion, Lord, remembering you. And Lord, we thank you we can look in your word and you speak to us and show us things that we wouldn't otherwise know and, and that you want to move through us in a powerful way and you lay that out clearly how you're trying to use this and move in our through us in a powerful way. So we thank you for that in advance. And Lord, I just pray right now that uh, each heart would be open to receive what you have to say. And Lord, I pray you just anoint me and I just speak thanks to the Spirit, nothing of my own flesh. And so we give thanks to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're in Joshua. Joshua. So we're going to look at Joshua chapter 7 this morning. So Joshua 7 says this, Joshua 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now, where we are, you know, it's, uh, someone asked me since one time, said, why do you keep, like, repeating things? You know, I said, well, I just want to keep giving context, you know, and so uh, it, everything is flows together. But here we are, and we, we have these Israelites, and God's made unbelievable promises to them. He promises to Abraham, then he had them in Egypt, he pulls them out of Egypt, he leads them to the desert 40 years, has all these other promises, they come up to the Jordan, and then they cross the Jordan, and they take over the promised land. God fulfills his promises. And in the last maybe three or four messages that we've gone over, we looked at them going with Joshua into the promised land and see how that as they went into the land, the whole economy changed and really saw a picture of how God uh, prepares the way, works through his people, speaks to his people, his people listen, and these supernatural things happen. So here you are. You'd almost say the end. Everything is just like glorious. It's just unbelievable what's happening to them. And then they come up to Jericho. He says, don't worry about Jericho. And just march around it, you know, seven times. And the walls will fall in. You take, I mean, it's just incredible what's happening to them. What's happening. And then we see, um, yeah, it, we, we see a situation here where, they said, well, there's this other little town over here, Ai, and so we'll just go conquer it. So they go over Ai, and Ai whips the whole bunch and runs them off, whips them. And, and uh, uh, Joshua is just stunned. I mean, he, he's like, well, what, what happened? What's the hiccup here? I mean, he's stunned. He really is uh, tore up about this whole whole situation. Now, I'm going to tell you up front what the lesson is, what the lesson is here, so you can keep it in mind as you go through this, because we said also as we look at Joshua is the Old Testament physical picture. He's given us a spiritual picture in fulfillment, and what he's telling us is you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, we have our eyes on Jesus, and then we go and just kind of forget about him, you know, because you can't do that. You can't do that. So the point of it here is you've got to keep your eyes on, on, on Jesus. And so there's some really good lessons for us here. So 
Here we are in the land, or here we are in the kingdom. We've seen God do mighty things. And then there's some insignificant little town or situation, and everything falls apart. Ever been there? Everything falls apart. It's just not working, not working. And so what, what Joshua did, which was good, he, he went to the temple. He went to the temple. So, okay, God, what in the world is going on? So he's at the temple, and he tore his robe. He's throwing dust on himself. I mean, he really tore up about this whole, whole situation. And uh, now what's interesting, which we should know, is God is fully aware of the whole situation. He is not surprised at any of this. He's not surprised. And he kind of insinuates that Joshua shouldn't be surprised. So we kind of back up and we bring it today. We should kind of understand that we shouldn't be surprised when stuff like this happens, even with ourselves, okay? So nothing's working. Everything's falling apart. Again, hearing God, we've seen God. He's we've shown us how he moves before us, and it, it's a powerful situation. Now you got there defeated, and Joshua's land before his face in front of the tabernacle. So what's going, what's going on? First of all, anybody relate? <laughs> what's going on? Well, the Lord in Joshua chapter 7, verse 10 through 12, I kind of outlined the verses here on the overhead. So the Lord appears to Joshua. He answers him. He's going, God, what's going on? And this is what he says to Joshua. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. <laughs> Get up. The Lord says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them in their own possessions. You know, once you get into the land and into the kingdom, you can go south quick. <laughs> I mean, they came in. I mean, they were. I mean, they came in. They were doing good at least for a few weeks. You know, took Jericho. But then all this falls apart, and it's you, you know, and and the Lord is. I don't know. It just impresses me that the Lord just walks in. Joshua, like poor Joshua, let me talk to you. I know this is tough. And he goes, Josh, get up. <laughs> Just get up. Stand up. That's what he tells him. He says, and take care of the problem, Joshua. Stand up and take care of the problem. Which, you know, it kind of communicates to me. Like I belly ache about my problems. And, you know, I'm falling before the Lord. Where is he? What's he doing? And he says, well, just get up. Gosh, you know, take care of it. Take care of it. And, uh, and and so, again, there's an element in there when the Lord tells you that is there's an element that you know what's wrong, therefore you know what to do. You know, it's I think about me sometimes, Lord, I don't know what to do. And he goes, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. All you got to do is read the word, listen to me. You know what's wrong. You know what's wrong. Anyway, so that's kind of where we are. That's the whole situation. And, and it, it's not like, you know, well, you messed up a little bit. I mean, I mean, they just really, I mean, he goes to the whole thing. Says, you know, instead of honoring, I have a covenant relationship with you and these people. Instead of honoring me, they've stolen, they've lied, and then they took some of the devoted things. 
Now, to help us here, and, and by the way, we're bringing this home, you know, to us. <laughs> we're bringing this home. We, how many times you read through the Old Testament, you look at those people and say, those are a bunch of hard-headed people I ever saw. I can't believe how disobedient they are. And the Lord goes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. And, they, and he kind of says, they're just like you. They're just like you. And they, we don't like that piece of it. But that's what he's telling. He says, they're, they're just like you. And, um, and so the Lord is, gives us this physical picture, but he wants us to understand spiritually what's going on for us today. The physical is true. Actually happened is true. But then we see a bigger spiritual reality in, in our lives today. Now, to understand this, what happened, okay, there's this sin these folks sinned, okay. I mean, they came in, they're praying and everything, and they're trucking along. But then they just kind of, you know, they're dipping their hands into the till, and they're not paying attention, and they're cutting corners and all sorts of stuff. And the Lord goes, wait a minute, not having it, not having it. Well, to understand this and kind of the picture given to us here is we need to understand what it means by devoted things. Because you said he took some of the devoted things. And said, well, what's that? Now, that word, and, and by the way, you see that word through the whole Old Testament. If you look up the Hebrew word, look, it's all through the Old Testament, and it's usually translated devoted, devoted things, devoted objects, devoted people. Well, when you look it up, the specific definition is devoted to destruction. Like I said, well, it's, this is devoted. And it's not devoted like to give to your kids. No, it's devoted to destruction. And he says, they, what he's saying here, these people have took, taken stuff that was devoted to destruction. And not only did they take the stuff that God devoted to destruction, they lied about it, <laughs> they stole it, they lied about it, and they hid it. And they hit it. So, so he's coming down on them for what happened. And so it's really important, this, this word, that it means devoted to destruction. And God declared certain things devoted to destruction. Now, so when we see this, God having these people go into Canaan, which are totally pagan people against God, and what he said, he said, everything in this country... People and everything connected with this civilization is devoted to destruction. Now, in our PC, you know, world, make everybody happy and everything, you go, well, that's kind of harsh. You know, God, yeah, it is. But these are people that have, are anti-God. These are people that are standing before God. And so what is God to do? He's, well, I'm going to go, they're, I'm going to destroy every single one of them. Gosh, you mean, when has he ever done that? If flood? <laughs> he did that. And he says when Jesus comes back, he's going to do it again. Well, I just think that's just harsh. <laughs> it is harsh. And it's exactly what he did and exactly what he's going to do. So he's moving into this country that's anti-God. And he says, listen, you've got to destroy everything here because I'm going to establish my kingdom here. It's devoted to destruction, everything. And so in, previously in Joshua 6, 8, and I have overhead here, Joshua 6, 18, he tells them this before they go in. 
I mean, like I said, it's no surprise. He told us. I mean, when things happen to us and, you know, we pretend like we're surprised. <laughs> you guys, you're fooling everybody else. Me and you know different, don't we? You know. Uh, now, I may be just talking to myself, and that's fine, you know. But if it applies, you can do it. But here, here's what he said in Joshua 6, 18, before they went in. He goes, keep away from the devoted things. What things? The things God has devoted to destruction. Keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction. Now, see what's said here. It's saying here, literally stay away from those things devoted to destruction because you will bring about your own destruction. So we'll save this thing devoted to destruction and bring it into our house, and then we suffer the destruction that was intended for the thing devoted to destruction. We save it at our own expense. We become the thing destructive. Now, so that's what he's telling the Israelites. And he says, you know, I can't work this way. So he's telling Joshua, I can't work this way. So this is worth repeating. This is really worth repeating. And, we, and this is before the God, before God, and he shows things you see in the Scripture. has nothing to do with what I think or, you know, kind of have, you know, some preaching and so you shouldn't do this and that. It's not what this is talking about. This is what God has done something Communicated to you, communicates to the scriptures, devoted to destruction. He says, don't mess with this. Don't mess with this. See, and why it's worth repeating, it says, by taking the things devoted to destruction, we would bring the related destruction on ourselves. Destroy these people. No, I'm not going to. Then you receive their destruction. That's what he's saying. And so it's like, you're kidding me. No. And that's what he's telling people to think. And Joshua, he says, my country, my nation, I'm setting up a nation here. These other folks are going to have to leave. That's, I mean, that's what he did. That's what he did. Now, here's the other thing. And we can, as Christians, loving, kind, sweet Christians, when we can just help, we can cut corners and we can be nicer and things like that. But the thing about it, the things that God has devoted to destruction are unredeemable, infinitely evil, and contagious. He said, don't, listen, this is, you, you can't do that. You, you can't, you know, be in the middle. You're going to have to make a stand for this. You're going to make a stand, you know. And, you know, the world is say, well, you're too harsh. You know, get in the middle, be more accepting of something God has said no. You can't do that. And you see the temptation. And then once you come to the point, it's like, it's the world or the Lord. World or the Lord. And, you know, he goes, yeah, that's right. So this is what you see happening here. Things devoted to destruction. So it's a big word. There's another place describing devoted to destruction. And it's in Deuteronomy. Same word. uses the same word, but describes this devoted to destruction and how serious it is and what God has to say about it. So he's telling the people in Deuteronomy, they're going into the land. And he says this, completely destroy them as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow all their detestable things 
they do not, all their detestable things they do in worshiping other gods. They'll teach you. See, but you got to get rid of them. If you don't, they're going to teach you and your kids to follow their ways. Now, does that sound a little eerie right now? Does that sound just a little eerie? No, you have to teach your kids this is okay. You have to say it's okay. You can't stand up against it. Anything. You have to, see, incorporate into the school system this thing. See? Well, that's not by accident. That's not an accident. That's evil. That's demonic. And it's working into the system in an evil, demonic way. And God says, so you got to get rid of it. You can't compromise with it. You can't compromise with it. Now, that's what he's saying, because it's devoted to destruction. And again, don't make up your mind and think up something devoted to destruction. You kid, if you don't pick up your toys, they're devoted to destruction. I'm throwing them. No, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it might be a good throw it away. They may learn a lesson. But you just devoted <laughs> to destruction. God didn't, all right? So it really is having understanding God and what he's doing in the situation. And so, and you see how serious God's saying that. And again, put the context. He's moving into, he's pulled the people out. He's moving them into a nation to establish a nation for him, the nation that Christ is going to be born into and come through. And he says, you've got to clean this place out. I'm moving in. Okay. And he says, I'm taking it. And uh, and that's, you know, the picture he did. And we come up, you know, today and, and we see the we're, we're reaping the benefits of the person of Christ and our salvation. But he had to establish this base point to move forward from and a people to move forward from people that had a fundamental understanding of the old testament fundamental understanding of the prophecies of christ a fundamental understanding that god is moving and then those were the people he gave the fulfillment of christ then from that <laughs> foundation he went around the world you had to do it and he's going joshua you're not paying attention you're not paying attention, okay? Now, so what happened here, Israel failed to do this, and the biggest key that they thought something's wrong because they went to beat this little town up, and they lost the battle. They lost the battle. And so God, he comes back and says, you've got to get rid of these things devoted to destruction, or you can't do any more. I can't do anything to you unless you get rid of this stuff. And it says in Joshua 7, 12, it says this, and it talks about the loss of them going into the battle and losing it. He said, they turned their backs and ran because they have been liable to destruction. They went into the city, got beat, and ran because they had been liable to destruction. How did they become liable to destruction? They took things that were devoted to destruction. Therefore, they became liable for destruction. You see how that works? By the way, that principle hadn't is still consistent today. You need to pay attention to it. <laughs> but it goes this. They have been made liable to destruction. And he goes, I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you 
is devoted to destruction. All right? Now, so, so we want to look at this. This is not a mystery, and this is where you want to take the whole picture. We have just seen how God works. And I hope that the last three or four messages, you said, oh, my God, you know, how God speaks to us, how we can move in power, because that is all true. That is all true. But when you come across things devoted to destruction and you pull them into your life, then all of a sudden everything gets crossways because God can't work through you the way he wants to you because you brought into your lifespan these pagan influencers or whatever that are devoted to destruction and what happens you're liable to destruct god's not hearing me no you know it's like you you, you know you keep you got these four hindu idols in there and you're worshiping them every sunday morning it's just like, i can't work through that i can't work through that i can't you know it's me and me alone you, you can, well, they're pretty. Pretty. Now, I'm a, and I don't know, you, you, you hate to call anything out by name, and, you know, everybody's so nice and all that, but God calls all sorts of people out by name, <laughs> you know? And so, and, and it's like, we, I knew a friend, and he had, and, uh, and it was Hindu, and they were idols, and they were gold, and they were pretty, you know? And it's like, I didn't say it, but it's like when I walk by them, I just kind of make the sign of the cross and just, you know. It's like, no, you don't want that in your house. You don't want that in your, well, I'm fine. I'm, I'm bringing that. I don't, maybe that's okay. It's just, I just got a bad feeling about that. Now, that's just a piece of iron, but there's also relationships and stuff like that. And, you know, well, they're good people. Okay, super good people but if they have a belief system that is devoted to destruction you can't incorporate with that belief system you can have them over for dinner but you make it very clear this is my belief system well that's your belief system this is the truth see God is telling you to call that and you're now if you embrace other belief systems other people and their system then you become as liable as they do for destruction. So you put yourself into it. Now, th this helps you. It's just that, you know, you can be friends with people, interact with people. It says share the gospel with everyone. But you want to be careful about embracing people that reject Christ. You know, you just, and what you do, you just don't scream and run off and God's going to strike. No, you just make a stand, I believe. You, you understand what's happening? Do you see why it's so demonic and what's happening in the world today? That, and it fascinates me, and I can't figure out how we got here so quick. You know, like they do the pronouns thing. They can call themselves, and you have to, they've changed their gender. You know, it's like, hey, I'll do that. And it's like, then they want to call by a different pronoun, and then they want you to call them by that pronoun. Well, I mean, it's one thing. You do it, make me do it. What are they doing? What is it doing? They're pulling you into a way and a sin that is devoted to destruction, and they want to pull you into it and compromise who you are. And the other way to compromise is shut up. Don't say anything. They say it. Don't say anything. 
Now, I, so I just want you, we need to be aware what's going on. What's going on? And here we got Josh, Joshua coming in and these people. And I mean, they're laying people out. This is like, whoa, you know, God's moving. Then all of a sudden he stops. Why? You can't. You're lying. You know, you're taking this stuff in. You, that's devoted to destruction. You can't take it into your life and incorporate it into your life. Y'all with me? See? Now, okay, so... By the, so we know this is not a mystery, okay? God clearly tells us what he wants to stay away from. He tells us. I mean, it's not like, oh, gosh, I didn't know that. You know, it's a, you know, we know. And see, that's what he told Joshua. Joshua, you knew. Get up. Take care of it. You knew. You knew. You didn't do anything. Well, it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> you know? God goes, yeah, it was. Yeah, because I'm not receiving glory. I'm not receiving glory. Okay, so to get back on track, to get back on track, Israel has to kind of clean house. Okay, here they are. I mean, we're, see, they're, we're not in the desert anymore. We're in the kingdom. We're messing up in the kingdom. They're messing up in the land. We're messing up in the kingdom. I received Jesus. I'm saved. Home in heaven. I'm in the kingdom. And then we just mess it up. Living here, you know, and, and, and we can do that. We have a capacity <laughs> to mess up our life in the kingdom, all right? And God goes, listen, no, to see my power, you have a home in heaven, you're not going to lose your salvation, but to see my power, you've got a clean house on how you're looking at me. you got a clean house, see? So what Israelites have to do, the physical picture, they have to clean house. They say, okay. Joshua, clean house. He says, all right. So what he does, I mean, you've got like three million people. He's like, okay, line them up by tribes, and he picks tribes, and he picks families, and he picks individuals, and they're coming from him. Nobody's volunteering, by the way. Man, nobody coming. They're volunteering. And so they come, and they finally, and God's working in this. And so what they do, and I don't have overheads for this, but I'll be in Joshua chapter 7, 18 through 21. So what happens, they come to Achan. Aiken. So he comes to Aiken. They walk in. Hey, you ever have trouble remembering names? I do. I love kids because they do things to remember. Aiken stole the bacon. <laughs> Just so you never remember Aiken. Aiken stole the bacon. And they get. So what happens? They bring them through. And Aiken's chosen. And Joshua goes, Aiken, Aiken, what'd you do? What'd you do? Tell me what you have done. And Achan said, what Achan said, oh, gosh, I don't know. You never said nothing. I mean, God, I have no, no. He said, Achan, what have you done? Achan replied, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. This is what I have done. What does it tell you? He knew. He knew. Oh, it's just an accident. No, it just kind of stuck to my finger. It just, no, he knew. It's true. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylon, silver and a bar of gold, I coveted them. I took them and I hid them. Now, what we have here, what we have here, this is really important, okay? We have the path to disobedience. Now, there's overhead for this. You can show this path to disobedience. Look at this. This is for every single one of us. 
every this is the path to disappear. This is how you end up where Achan is. I saw. I saw. I coveted. I took. Then I hid. That's the march out from under the power of God. You don't lose your salvation. And we're in heaven. Okay. Okay. But that's the march out from under the power of God and see him move. And then, by the way, this is, um, we have to say this to ourselves. Don't want anybody going up and say, I bet you're just like Achan. You know, you stall, you cover. No, that's not, because this is of the heart. This is of the heart. It's individual. But here it is. This is the path to disobedience. Look at it because we are all guilty. We see. Man, it would be nice to have that. (laughs) Mm, I can take it. Nobody will know. And then so they really don't know how to hide it. (laughs) And then nobody knows except God. And you you move out the power of God's hand, which they've seen before. See, and that's just Christian. We've seen it before, you know. And and it likes to know you gotta you have to get right you have to clean house, so I can you can continue to hear me and I can show your power before me, Amen. Now, this happened at the very beginning. I mean, at the very beginning, this path of disobedience has been for all mankind from the very beginning. I don't have an overhead for this, but you'll recognize it. Genesis three six. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took and she ate and gave some of it to Adam. Okay, the next overhead path to path of disobedience in Genesis. I mean, first two folks, you know, they created the path to disobedience. (laughs) You know, what a legacy. The woman saw. Then we have the woman coveted. Then the woman took. And then her and Adam hid. Same thing. It's a, oh, and you know what? It's so funny that God's in the garden. He goes, where are you? Where, I'm here. I'm going to talk to you. We can do great. Th- where are you? I don't know. They hid can't hear they can't be a part of what God's doing because they went on the path to disobedience and this how how many of you ever had or then it yourself or your children I love talking about your kids you know and your kids I don't know it just happened I just have no clue you know I think you know Johnny did and I I don't know he just made me go you know that never happened to anybody it, didn't, it doesn't just happen. You see, you come then you take, and then you hide it. Yeah. And little Johnny said, Mom, where's my stuff? I said, I don't know. And he's going, me neither, you know, because I hid it under the bed. I took, but you see, it didn't change. It didn't change with Adam and Eve. And it hasn't changed all through, all through history, history. Now, We'll come here 
to a New Testament verse. Okay, we have a New Testament verse. Same thing, this is a path to disobedience. And by the way, I want each of us to look at this because each of us, and I'll say this affirmatively, each of us have gone through each step here. Every one of us. All right? And, and so it, it's convicting to I certainly have gone through every step. But we go through every step because we're human. We're people. We're made of the flesh. And unless we through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will continue to go through it. The world works this way. and But God is telling us there's another way. You have to be totally dependent upon me on nothing else. And you go, okay, but I want this. I saw it, you know. God did. Now, I took it. Okay, now being you are good. See, we have an exception that we don't have to give to God. And then God can't work through us. See, God, I did everything. You wanted me to. Almost. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And then we blame God. God, he just, you know, he's just not doing what he's supposed to do. And, you know, and this is what Joshua did. They, I mean, this battle at Jericho was something else. And they said, hey, we can wipe out Ai. And they come back. And he said, man, Ai just got whipped. Several of them killed. And Joshua goes, what happened? I thought, God, what's wrong with you? How? And he, Joshua says, how? All the nations are going to see that you're just not working. See, that sounds like us. See, if you, all, everybody's going to see it didn't work, you know, because I'm the special case. It didn't work. It didn't work with me. You see what's saying? And God goes, no, I do, I do a good job. God says, I do good, but you need to give your whole heart to me. And if you don't, it's somewhere else. And went somewhere else. I can't do everything I want to do through you. Because you have an idol in your heart. Right? See, our idol may be not be the Hindu idol sitting on our dresser. But it's the one in our heart that we took it. It's mine. See, I can't, I can't do that. I want all of your heart. And that's what's saying here. And that's why sometimes God seems so harsh, because he wants everything. He wants everything. Okay, so here we go, the New Testament. So if this is true, we go from Genesis, now we're going to James. James, one of the last, you know, Old Testament books, you know. So we go to James. So James confirms this path to disobedience. Disobedience. And I don't have an overhead for this either, but you probably should circle this one in your Bible or make a note of it and look at it at your own time. But look at James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. Path to disobedience. And James says, Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil nature and enticed. Then after desire is conceived... It gives birth to sin. And sin, when it, is, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Nothing has changed from creation. Not one thing. The path to disobedience in the New Testament. You see. Tempted. You see. By the way, seeing and tempted is not a sin. You got act on it then you covet I desire I, I, I really I really want that so you see tempted you covet desire 
Then you take. And when you take, it's desire conceived. When you take, it's desire conceived. And right then, <laughs> desire is conceived. And what that does, that desire conceived gives birth to sin. Sin is a separation from God. See? And so you take desire conceived, and then you hide it. The birth of sin and ultimate death. You live in your sin. You live with your idol. You live in your sin. Desire is conceived, you know. And by the way, th this, this is our good things. I mean, we place them as good things. But what they become, the reason they become idols, is because they're in the place of God. See, that's the problem. It's in the place of God. You see what I'm saying? And when it's in the place of God, God says, I can't move. I hate to say this, but it's the truth. How many, you know, your kids can be your idol. They become in the place of God. I'll do anything for them. You shouldn't. I'll do anything to me. They become in the place of, they become an idol. And so what that does, because they're the idol, it interferes with God working through you to do what he wants. I mean, and God forbid your spouse can be an idol. This is all I want. God goes, no, I can't. I can't work through you now. I, I can't work through you because you have an idol in your heart and you can't hear me. And it, it's like, well, what am I supposed to do? And he goes, God goes, you set aside the idols, your kids and your spouse, and you come to me and you give your whole heart to me and say, God, I'm yours. I'll serve you to do whatever you want. And when that opens up, he gives you power to do what God says, and then he gives you supernatural power to love your children correctly then supernatural power to love your spouse correctly. But you have to put him first. You see, I mean, doesn't that make sense? That's unbelievable. See, but we, well, you've got to take care of the kids. And my kids are special. They're so <laughs> God, you, God, don't you, you got it. You can't, they'll never be what you want them to be. And you'll end up doing more damage to them than good because you didn't put me first and if you put me first then you'll love your kids correctly and then you'll be able to direct them correctly <laughs> put your spouse first then you don't have the capacity to love the way you're supposed to love and then it becomes you know lustful possessive or you know and it doesn't there's a tension to it. but if you love God first then he gives you capacity to love and then your love becomes self-sacrificial love i just love and it's love because you've changed because you put god first and he gave you power to love others you go how can you do that you put god first and this is the reason god this is so important where god told the people i mean he, he i mean these people got it oh i mean god is moving and jericho fell down he's oh no Aiken. You did whatever. Now, nothing I'm doing is going to work, guys. It's not going to work. You've got to clean this out. you got to clean this out, Aiken, so that y'all can get right with me to hear from me and to do what I say, and then I can work through you completely 
because you're listening to me to your benefit. Amen? I mean, and this, I mean, this is like, holy good night. And then what happens? <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing. There's nothing to laugh about. It's not, I mean, I just read it. I don't have an overhead for this, but in Joshua's uh, chapter 7, verse 25 through 26, you know, he's, he stones Achan. Stones him. He gets his whole family. You know, he's probably getting that gold bar, you know, to help the kids, you know, buy a nice house for the wife or something like that. He stones the wife, the kids, and everybody else, piles rocks over them, all their possessions. All their possessions. And it says in Joshua, then all Israel stoned Achan. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. He goes, now I can work with you. But you had to get rid of Achan. It's like, that's harsh. That's harsh. And then it goes on to say in chapter 8, we see now that the, see the, the Lord turns from his fierce anger. When did the Lord turn from his fierce anger? When the sin was dealt with. Then he turned from his fierce anger. So the sin had to be taken care of. The penalty of sin was paid and God turned from his anger. Anger. God is now able to continue his work. Therefore, the next verse is Joshua 8.1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, and the city, and the whole land. The guy that just whipped you, I just gave him to you. But you had to get rid of your sin first so you could see my power. You know, we need to do this, we need to do this, so we can be good. That's legalism. It's like, okay, I want my eyes on you, God. I want you to teach me. You're going to get as close to you so I can hear from you. I can hear from you. And I don't want that stuff interfering with me where I can't hear from you. That's a relationship. That's not legalism. And that's what he's saying here. The relationship is no testament. See, and God goes, now I can work. We can eat AI. AI is not the problem. You were the problem. You were the problem. AI is not the problem. So you did what I said. Now I give it to you. Now I give it to you. Now, right here, <laughs> the Old Testament gives us a clear physical picture about the consequences of disobedience to death, right? What's the consequences for disobedience to God? Death. It, I mean, it is. It's death. All through the Old Testament, New Testament. And that's what God's dealing with. Now, so... But we praise God in the kingdom, right? We praise God for the New Testament reality of Jesus who paid the penalty for our disobedience. See that harsh penalty on Achan? Achan falls on Jesus. We don't receive it because it falls on Jesus. Now here's a verse. Now this might be, I'm going to say this is a, most important verse in the Bible concerning our daily walk. This is the most important. This is Wally said. Okay. <laughs> and, it's, and, uh, and you should circle this. It's 1 John 1 9. 1 John 1 9. The most important Bible in the verse concerning our daily walk with God. And again, walking, hearing, listening, doing what he says, and him supernaturally flowing through us. Here's the verse. 
you need to know. Right here, you ready? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Think about it. This is the wall. This is it. This is it. You know, like Carlos said, hey, it's, our relationship with God is simple. You know, believe in the Lord, you're saved. We're in, you know. But our walk is simple, too. I mean, it's simple to say it, maybe to act out. It's not that simple. Again, listen, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Unlike Achan, we will not be stoned for our disobedience. All God's people said, <laughs> Amen. Is we confess our sin, God forgives us our sin and cleanses us and turns away from his fierce anger. His fierce anger falls on Jesus. See, and we confess it and we are forgiven and cleansed if we confess. Now here for me is a real important word. That word confess, that word confess here literally means agree. It literally means agree. We say, I'll just confess, you know, and just, you know, and we just go on the list of confessions or whatever. No, it means agree, and it means, therefore, agree with God. So, if we agree with God about our sin, see what the issue is? We need to agree with God about our sin. See? We got all this other stuff we're putting in its place, you know. Oh, the kids, and oh, the spouse. Oh, you know. No, agree with God about what your sin is. Misplace affection. Covet something. Oh, dear God, I need that like a hole in the head. Take that out of my mind. I agree with you that that's nothing. It's something I don't need. You confess. You agree with God. Amen? It's a walk with him. It's a walk with him. And when we agree with him, we agree with God. God goes, God, I forgive you that. You see it the way I see it. So I forgive you and I cleanse you. So you and God are walking together. Does that make sense? Amen. Then the world changes. He goes, now I can give you this other city. And I can do this. And you come in and you do some find yourself, you know. And then, you know, we always slip off the path. Oh, God. Okay. I agree with you. Oh, right now, I agree, me and you. Okay, you take, I agree with you. He says, all right, I hear you. I hear you. I forgive you. I cleanse you. That's a walk with God. Amen? That's powerful. That really is powerful. Now, I, I want to make a comment here. The lesson here is not to go around and judge others and other organizations. I mean, it's like, well, they got devoted items in there. You know, they are these people. They got devoted idols in there. Oh, this being there. If they'd get right. No, all that proves is you've got a real judgmental spirit. And you need to ask forgiveness before the Lord, all right? Like that. So don't do that. That's not what this lesson is for, is to point your fingers at other people. The lesson is for us individually so that we'll keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Did you know? When we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, loving him, the other stuff falls into place. It falls into place. 
because we're one with him, rejoicing in the glory of him. Well, somebody else messes up, and it makes me sad, and I'm mad and fooey, you know. What does it tell you? Your, you know, your eyes aren't on Jesus. Your devotion's not on Jesus. Your devotion is on other things, and that controls your emotions. He goes, God says, I want to control your emotions. But Lord. And by the way, now, it's encouragement. The Lord will work things in your life. He will work things in your life to make this happen. He'll make. Why did that happen to me, God? Because you were so in love with it, I had to remove it so you could turn to me. And you fall in love with God again. Then he restores what he took away. See the logic here? See? And it's almost impossible to tell people that because they want things fixed now. You know, ain't they right? You know, make my kids better. Make my spouse better. You know, and then I will be fine. I told you what my prayer was for Linda when we were separated. I said, God, dear God, change that woman. I swear to God, that was my prayer. I, was, I prayed. I mean, she was impossible to get along with. I'd pray every say, oh, God, just change her. Just to, and then the Lord convicted me and convicted me. And, and, I, and I said, Lord, I can say, it's me. My relationship with you, if I was with you, it wouldn't be. And I could turn, and, and it was really a specific time. Lord, all, and I said this, God, all I want is you. That, and then what happened was bizarre. The whole thing changed a lot. She just got a lot easier to get along with. I mean, it would, I said, change. I said, change my heart, Lord. All I want to see is you. It's this right here. I can never have Linda come back to you because she will always be your focus. I have to have you, Wallace, is my focus. Then you can focus on Linda and do it good. <laughs> do it right, you know. So, is this making sense? I mean, this is, this is workable. I mean, this is a workable and it's understandable, but it's, it's tough to apply because it can be really painful. You know, with things around us, neighbors, our kids, our spouses, you know. If the whole world was nice around me, I'd have a better relationship with God. And I mean, that's what we think. Oh, I got, I've told you this before, but it, I just burst out laughing. I did a couple's, just heard it before but i did a, a couple's premarital counseling session but it's kind of redo for these couples well what they did they met each other in college and they were uh, uh you know got connected in college through a christian group and then after they got out of college they got married well then after they got married they were having issues i mean voila you know so they came to see me and so i'm taking this premarital counseling and these three guys, and the lady, I mean, it's so typical, it's amazing. So the three guys, and they, so they're talking about the relationship, and they're going, what's happening? And the guy goes, you know, my walk with the Lord was so much better before I got married. And I thought, he didn't say that. He did not say that. And the guy goes, you know, me too. The three of them like, yeah, it was just better. You know, and I'm thinking, no, it wasn't better. I mean, well, you, you guys are self-centered now. I mean, you don't have a clue what the Lord is doing, you know? I said, well, look how this, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, what about her? You know, and it's like, 
But you see, God exposed the problem. I mean, without my wife, me and Jesus are sickling along. You know, and then God goes, yeah, it's good that you think you are. I'm going to give you this little lady, and I'm going to point out big pine problems with you and her. But, see, but the full point is that they focus on the Lord, and they love the Lord, then the Lord gives them a capacity to love. That means you have a capacity even if this person is bitter, sarcastic, and hard to get along with. But you love them like Jesus did. See? You, am I making sense? See? And so here, that verse, that's a huge verse. I mean, that's a huge, huge verse. So the, the, the lesson is keep us individually, our eyes fixed on Jesus. And we must be occupied with the Holy Spirit and turn from the path of disobedience. I see, I covet, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do I really need that? Seeing we get back on the path of obedience. See, we just put God first. He said, well, I can't have nothing. I can't do anything. I won't. No, you just put God first. You see what I'm saying? And so this is what God's telling us to do. If we slip up, what do we do? We confess. I agree with you. God shouldn't have done that. Okay. Faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all things. That's a walk. That's what, he didn't call us to be perfect. He called us to focus on him, love him first, and walk with him, and he will be our teacher. Now, as we back up here, uh, in a sense, in a sense, to the end of the church, in a sense, you know, Achan was stoned for his sin. I mean, it's like, you got to get him and the whole family out of here. They're just not working. But in a sense, Jesus was stoned to death in our place for our disobedience. He was stoned in our place. We didn't get away with it. God's anger were turned because God's anger was turned because Jesus was stoned. That's the reason his anger is turned away. We are washed, cleansed, and empowered, made right as God with our eternal home in heaven. In this, we rejoice and walk in the Spirit. Then this whole verse makes so much sense. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God made him who knew no sin be stoned to death for us, for our disobedience, so that we might become in him righteous because he died in our place. Oh, God, I agree with you that was sin. Now, Lord, lead me and teach me and tell me what to do. The issue with our problems are us. Sorry. I'm sorry. They're us. I found a common denominator to all of my problems. It's me. It's me. See? And then, as I focus on Christ, he gives me a capacity to love others and to walk in what he says. Then he can do something miraculous when I take my hands off of it. Hallelujah? This is really practical. I mean, this is like real stuff, Christianity working dear heavenly father we just thank you for your love we thank you for your goodness lord we thank you for your word and lord even as we look at these things it's absolutely impossible to live out absolutely impossible to live out the only way it can be lived out <clears throat> is through the lord jesus christ and the working of his holy spirit it will not work by our own effort we will fail 
And he's happy we fail because we'll say, God, help me. And we'll agree with God. And then he will move because we agree with him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you.